Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we talk about Wizards of the Coast acquiring a Montreal game company to make Dungeons & Dragons video games, supposedly. Uh, Lucian gets excited about troop play, and I get excited about kids on bikes. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent PH in the middle, and I am joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, good morning, how's everybody doing? <laughs> hello, good morning, how's everybody doing? Fantastic. I'm so good at that. <laughs> yeah, it's great, it's great. Hope everybody's enjoying their uh, November, first weekend of November. Yeah. Uh, do you remember that... I don't know if it was specifically this day, but this time last year, we were doing a live show from Game Hole Con. Oh, yeah. Well, That's, you were there. I was there. <laughs> on a phone, and I was home. But yeah, yeah we did do that. That was fun. <laughs> uh, I believe the WebDM boys, we were chatting with them and things like that. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, turning my sound on now so everybody can hear me. There we go. <laughs> Jordan can hear me, which is the most yeah, important. Yeah, <laughs> I can hear. So, and you can be heard on YouTube. So yeah. there you go. Uh, wonderful. Um, welcome everybody. Uh, we have uh, a lot to talk about, I think today. Uh, I'm thinking, yeah. Should be a really good show. Lots of stuff happening, moving parts and all that jazz. Um, we usually start off with news and, uh, we're still waiting for November 19th for things to happen. It's getting there. We're we're on November 2nd, for those of you looking at your calendars, unless you're probably in Australia, which maybe you're on November 3rd. So we're coming to you from from the past. (laughs) Maybe you get your stuff a day early. Um, But yep, November November 19th is the big day for us. Eberron rising from the last war. Um, All of you that are really ready to play your Warforged and to maybe play some changeling or what are some of the other cool races that's coming with that uh, artificers coming um, yeah. Are, yeah did you hear they're changing the uh warforged though no what uh, i didn't put this changing. in the notes because i just really realized it but there was something on reddit where there was an interview with jeremy crawford and he said that they are uh changing how the warforged race operates so right now oh. you pick between like skirmisher or juggernaut like it has these three subclasses within the race and they're apparently getting rid of that and making it so uh, it sounds more like the Simic hybrid from uh, the Magic the Gathering uh, oh, yeah, Ravnica yeah. book, um, yeah. where at certain levels you get to pick certain aspects of your Warforge and they come into play. So oh, uh, it was kind of interesting, and we were we were looking at it, and I'm playing a Warforge, so I'm like, oh, well, once this book releases, they're going to update all of the Warforge stuff on D&D Beyond, and I think my 23 AC... Uh, Eldritch Knight Warforged Fighter is going to dip down to like a 17 or 18 AC. Uh, But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. It it kind of felt like a nerf, but uh, I was talking to my Dungeon Master and he was like, no, I feel like the Warforged are just really powerful and maybe they shouldn't have that much free AC, you know, because you add your proficiency bonus to your AC and so you can get really high. Uh, The trade-off is you can't wear armor like magical armor so you can't find magical cool stuff and wear it but uh it it's a really low trade-off so we'll wait and see but uh they did announce that that they are going to uh if you bought wayfinder's guide to eberron um they're going to like fix all that or or you know add it so that the latest once this comes out with all the changes that will also reflect those changes um so i would encourage everybody who has wayfinders to download the current pdf now and then you can have both versions successfully saved um and you could play the old way or you could play the new way so whatever Hmm. you want to do yeah i kind of like that idea too because the idea that you're maybe picking upgrades for your warforged or you know as you go for certain levels and then if you do want to go tanky maybe there's some tanky ones and if you want to go a different route maybe there's a different because i think with that simic one that was what you could pick like claws or you could pick like uh extra eyes or you know just whatever weird mutations you wanted that kind of fit what you were doing with that that character and Mm -hmm. i love those little 
little itty bitty things that I wish were in all of the races. Really, it'd be cool if that was how all of the the races actually work. They had little things that you could pick up to kind of customize yourself. A well, it's interesting because most races are you get everything at level one. You know, you get mm-hmm. dark vision, you get all this other stuff, and the Simic one really broke it down and you got to choose, but it also is like, okay, you don't get water breathing until third or fourth level kind of a thing. Right. And I think that's what they're trying to do because the Warforge just got way too much at first level. Like when you select mm-hmm. that, you get a lot um, yeah. immune to disease and immune to poison damage and things like that. And you have all these resistances and, and uh, I think this will make more sense that you're upgrading yourself as you level up and will probably mm-hmm. balance out the race a little bit more, but uh, yeah, we'll see. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and also to maybe help understand that there's not just one type of Warforged because if you're going to turn it into a player class, you really don't want it to be, well, everybody is this exact same looking suit of armor and we're all playing that because when the war happened, they created, you know, 10,000 of these suits of armor, and that's now what you're going to play. But there's no real customization there. You're just one of those 10,000 that have been set free. Mm-hmm. Whereas this feels more like you can be very individual Warforged, and you're not going to look like other Warforged per se. Mm-hmm. You could look very different from. And it's introducing the idea that there's not just one type of Warforged. There's lots of types of Warforged yeah. that maybe were created to fight this war, and that helps kind of reinforce reinforce that idea that there's lots of different types yep yeah so it's kind of interesting uh we're also waiting for dungeons and dragons versus rick and morty where rick is the dm and so (laughs) when you play the game you're encouraged to be rick running a game whatever that is and i'm really curious about this product just because um, it is like, no, we want you, we're encouraging you to, to play like these fictional characters on this cartoon. Uh, so yeah. that will be an interesting game, I think. Um, yeah. So that one's like a, a niche within a niche there, yeah. I think <laughs> for sure <laughs> for that audience. Cause I think it'd be tough for like, I don't know if I have in me to be a Rick DM. Yeah. I, I, I probably enjoy the show. Um, and I haven't watched a ton of it enough to be able to say, oh, yeah, I can run a game just like that. Um, so I wonder how many other people are out there that way, too. Yeah. So, it'd so, be cool. I don't know. It's cool. It's And it really opens the doors. I feel like we're going to get more of these like Dungeons & Dragons tie-ins in the future. Um, yeah. Just because they are popular and it's really – it's doing what Wizards wants to do, which is bridge the gap between – other fandoms with their fandom um same thing they did with uh really ravnica the whole book was like hey you like magic the gathering let's bridge the gap Mm -hmm. into dungeons and dragons and uh same with the stranger things supplement and this and things like that like oh you like this you will also maybe like this and so uh we'll probably see more of those even though you're correct in saying that it is a niche within a niche but uh it's very targeted and i i think it's yeah smart on their their end but Mm -hmm. Um, the Very other bit cool. of news is there is a survey out, a D&D survey that Wizards of the Coast, uh, they want your feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took the survey. Did you take the survey? I did. Isn't it funny that all their surveys take somewhere around 20 to 25 minutes? They don't put out small surveys, it seems like. They put out like long, <laughs> I it was laying in bed. Than I thought it would. It's yeah. like, okay, you're still asking me questions. You're still yeah. asking me questions. <laughs> uh, What'd you think of the stuff that was on there? No, I thought it was really good. Um, they, they're the the push for streaming uh, had a lot of uh, like, how did you do? You watch D and D basically, and they had mm-hmm. a bunch of shows you could select, but you could also like type in shows that you enjoy. So I ended up like plugging some of the smaller <laughs> shows that I really enjoy. Um, <laughs> that I'm like, oh well, you know, we yeah, Critical Role's fine and all, but like this is really cool too. And so um, I plugged yeah. a couple of those. Uh, they really spanned the gamut of questions though. Like it wasn't, it was just like, you know, what classes do you like the most? How often do you play D and D? Um, and even to the point of like, how much D and D video games do you consume and play? Um, Mm -hmm. like kind of, yeah, a a whole bunch of, of broad questions about their brand as a whole. Uh, and it, it's going to influence their decisions going forward with what type of products to make and, and how to not, I was going to say how to keep the public like interested and happy, but I guess that really is it. Like they're, 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 but they have a plan. They have like a five year, 10 year plan, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. But it can deviate with whatever data they gather from this. So I would encourage you guys right. to all go and take that. It's uh, it's, it's yeah. 
help help define uh where we're uh going with the Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. I'd love to see the results. I don't think they ever give uh, out I don't that think kind they of do stuff. Either. But yeah, it'd be nice internal. to really see. It yeah, would be cool to how, see like how many people are really like wanting new classes or they're fine with races mm-hmm. or how many how many hours people actually play D a week you know because right. for us it's a lot but this hobby is also kind of our passion and everything else and so for the average <laughs> person it's like oh no we play like once a month and when we get to level four we start a new campaign and it yep. doesn't you know and so it's kind of <laughs> like there are people that play like that or just do yeah. one shots nothing but one shots you know and it's kind of like oh yeah so well they also like there was a whole list of just about everything they've released for fifth edition like did you buy this book did yeah, you buy this book did yeah. you buy this one did you what get it in pdf form yeah <laughs> did you have you only read it or have you actually bought it in hardcover so like they're even judging you know, just hardcover sales versus maybe digital online sales versus, you know, the other stuff. I did see a little bit of clap back a little bit on Twitter about the list of uh, influencers they put on there and that even some of the shows that are even on their own channel weren't even mentioned. Yeah. And there were other ones that people were like, that one's on there, but how did you not get this other one, you know? And I think there's always going to be this because there's so many shows, how you can't really put them all on there. Yeah. But um, it was interesting to see the list they chose. Uh, Cause I didn't see roll 20 presents on there and that's a pretty big yeah. group for them. I and mean, that's a pretty that's big advertising I mean, there. Yeah. Like they're not playing a custom campaign. They're playing their modules and things like that. Yeah. So I don't know. Sponsored by them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was interesting. So yeah, I would definitely go out and take it. it. takes about 20-ish minutes, 25-ish minutes, depending on how long you take to answer those questions. So, yeah. Cool. Um, and then, uh, really, the last little bit of news, which I thought was really interesting, is uh, Wizards of the Coast bought a Montreal game company, video game company, called uh, T-U-Q-U-E. And I think it's I think French. It's is it Touk? I think okay. it's Tuke. Because I, I was be like, Tuke you? Like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think um, it's Tuke. But I don't I don't even pretend to try and speak French, so I was just <laughs> like, I'm not really sure. But uh, they, they bought this, and apparently, like, the rumors are is that they have been in contact with this company um, to make a Dungeons & Dragons game, and now they've gone a step further and just acquired them to only make D&D games going forward. So they're going to use that the intellectual the Forgotten Realms intellectual property and the D&D mechanics and they're going to have them make video games. Uh and I am really curious about this because we have yeah. Baldur's Gate 3 coming from a studio in Texas if I'm Austin, yeah. yeah. And now we have this Montreal company building other things. So they're 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 branching out and I I think they I think it's smart, you know? Like uh, uh mm-hmm. this is People can't play Dungeons and Dragons all the time, every day, but they can get their fix through a video game. And so I think right. a lot of people will be interested in this, obviously. Baldur's Gate 3, the hype around that game is is very large. I think uh, people have been waiting for uh, a third installment of that for a long time. And so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting. I'm really curious as to what kind of stuff's going to come out of this new game company. That yeah, they and I think the game they did before that I recognized was called Live Lock. Yeah, um, or Live Lock, I guess depending on how you choose. And it was kind of a um, top-down isometric four-player co-op-ish game, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if they're staying in that vein of types of games, or if they're if they're going to have them build mobile games, or if they're going to have them build. Oh, I didn't think you know, about what, what are what they're, type they're... of game are they even going to build? MMOs, RPGs, yeah. uh, quick phone type games, Candy Crush or something like that? Is it or is it going to be because we already have things like um, um, several on Steam? Uh, why is it slipping my mind? We love to play it. I'm bringing up Steam as I'm trying to stall for time. <laughs> uh, Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. Right. I mean, that's kind of that. You get into Casual it for game, yeah. yeah, 20 minutes or a minute or, you know, you can spend any time you want. It plays offline type thing and they have all those cool characters in it. So are they going that route or um, From what I've told, it's a AAA studio. Like they're yeah. going to make big games and whether that's for console or PC or both, uh, I don't think they're, I don't think it's going to be little mobile game things. Yeah. Uh, or are we going to get like a like, Witcher? 
yeah style game in yeah. D world could it be like forgotten realms but as done by you know mm-hmm. like grand theft auto style or red dead redemption 2 style or something. yeah no for sure and so, well, interesting we'll tell so yeah. i i don't know i'm really i'm really curious i'm looking forward to more information about that mm-hmm. um they and and yeah we'll just have to wait and see right it's it literally just happened on halloween i think they announced that they are are purchasing that but uh like i said earlier the rumor was is that they've been working on a a D title for a little bit so mm-hmm. um maybe uh maybe the new year or around christmas or something we'll hear some information about um, a new video game and i don't even know when Baldur's gate 3 is supposed to come out actually uh if that has a release date or not but it's on my steam wish list so um i'll get notified i'm sure <laughs> yeah they they gave us a video preview or yeah, a no setup gameplay cinema. it was just a cinematic yeah, yeah. So. But no date attached to it mm. or not even a year. I don't even think they said like coming in 2020 or anything yeah. like that. So. We'll know. see. But they tied in the, this last module. So you would feel like maybe it was close, but I don't know. They're still doing a lot of hiring for that uh, studio also. I noticed on their website, a lot of the job openings for Wizards of the Coast are geared towards that mm. at the moment. Okay. So very cool. Yeah, uh, that kind of leads us into wasn't a lot of news. We're, we're at the end of the year. I think everything's winding up. I think the big thing, the push that's going on at the moment is they're doing their charity stuff. Um, and people are at Game Hole Con this weekend. There's PAX Unplugged is coming up. So that'll be another. Is that uh, December? Push. The I believe. Of yeah. 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 I really um, wanted to go. I have so many friends going and they were just yeah. like, go Jordan, go. And I'm like, oh, baby, I can't uh. yeah. fly to Philly. But, oh, it'd be so much fun. <laughs> it was fun last year. It was kind of yeah. cool. Well, I just, um, I don't know. I've, I, it's like Gen Con is an excuse to go hang out with all of my internet friends. It feels yeah. like. And so if I could get that, like, tw- you know, twice a year, that would be awesome to go to, you know gen con and then then go to pax unplugged because it seems like the same people go to those uh yeah. but it's just not in the cards this year so I yeah know. send me photos no, no you want to save it up because you want to do the D live event next year i do so actually wanna... i do want to try yeah. that that would be a lot yeah. of fun so moving on to our that's about our news so if you guys had seen anything that we missed definitely go ahead and post in the comments or post in chat we'll definitely get caught up um uh, on the Discord, a lot of people joined our Discord, and they do a good job of pointing out things that are happening. Uh, usually me and Jordan are pretty on top of it, but we always get help having you people snooping out the other stuff that's going on in the, in the I I disagree. Netverse. I don't think Jordan is on top of it at all, but that is 100% me not on top of things. So. In our next segment, which uh, we've been calling in our notes, I have it written down as Bardic Inspiration, but I did notice on the Discord channel that uh, some, there was a few more oh, suggestions, like suggestions. Appendix D was pretty good. I like, I like that. that one. Or Awarding Inspiration. Um, but all of it was a way to, in, not to go into detail, but just you know, an inspirational thought for a campaign, one-shot, or adventure that you might have. And I had a couple over the week. I noticed... Something must have uh, triggered um, your imagination this week because in our notes, we actually had one from Jordan. For the yeah, first time. we'll try. We'll try. We'll try <laughs> something new, guys. I'm going to contribute to my own podcast. That's what's going to happen. Well, I'll today. do one. I'll do one of mine and then you can do yours. And then if we have, if we feel like we haven't taken up too much time, <laughs> I'll do my second one. But um, so I was a big fan of the card game Keyforge, which was made by Richard Garriott, who made Magic the Gathering, so it all kinds of ties back into Wizards of the Coast, which is cool. And the unique thing about Keyforge, this new um, deck-building game that he created, is that every single deck that they sell is a unique deck. So they've created this algorithm that builds trillions of combinations, or I don't know what the actual number is. Then it goes through and it creates all these cards, puts them in decks, and then they ship them out. And every time you buy a deck, it's completely unique, right? So in in its combination. Now, there may be some cards that are similar, but no deck is the same. And you take that deck and you go and you play a game, right? So nice and fun. There's a big community growing upon it. There's a lot of tournament stuff going on. What it made me think about was, I wonder if you could create a system, and you would probably need to do it with random tables, which, you know, 
tabletop RPGs are always big about random tables. That's one of the favorite things you can see in a lot of books, especially OSR books. Yeah. Could you create completely unique characters every single time by having a big enough random character generator with skills, abilities, and things that you would randomly generate and it would create a playable class that's completely unique to you and probably nobody else has ever rolled that because the possibilities are so big, right? I would think, or maybe you'd have to do it in a computer program because the size of the tables, you wouldn't want to be flipping through pages and say, okay, I rolled 6,754. Let me flip to that page. (laughs) But in a computer, you would be able to do it easily where it's all in the background and you would just have it you know, randomly go through things. And the cool thing about um, Keyforge, it's not just about random. The computer AI that they built for this game behind the scenes also goes through and makes sure that the deck is viable. So it doesn't just build something that's not going to work at all. It knows that there's of these trillions of combinations, there's these ones that are all viable, will play by the rules and should play fairly well. doesn't mean it'll beat every deck out there. It'd be great but it is viable enough to play. And I wonder if you could create um, a character generator that would be like that. And then every time you sat down with your friends and you went through and maybe used like a, a D&D online kind of thing or D&D beyond kind of thing, we would all have unique characters for every play session that we've, or every new campaign. So I was always wondering, I was wondering if you, if you thought that was interesting or if you had any ideas for how we could replicate or simulate a little bit of that. Um, well, so D&D Beyond has like build me a character. Like it's got like a mm-hmm. quick character builder button when you start a new character. So it kind of has that already, but I almost feel like you would need um more big lists. Like yeah, well, you would need like big more lists. classes, more things like yeah. that. Um but uh Well, I think yeah. you'd want to get away from classes and you'd want to oh. get to these are skills and abilities and there's thousands of them and it gives you a combination of skills and abilities. And then you decide what that is. Like you're like, Oh, I'm looking at all this. Guess what? I'm a gunslinger. This is like being okay. a gunslinger and you just call it whatever you want to call it. But so you're it's not really like a, a wizard monk. You're like, I can right. cast divine spells and I can also hit things with my fists or like yeah. I've got, uh, I don't know, like, warlock powers over here and yep. like yeah i don't know you can yeah, yeah. Cut, you're talking about mix and matching all of those things yeah uh, sounds like yeah, it yeah. could be very overpowered but yeah. uh you could also be very underpowered too so <laughs> who knows yeah, yeah. but, but no, if it's, it's a team game yeah and, you, and you're just making a character with it's going to go with four other people and, and and if you look at it from like an rp stance for those of us that love to build characters sometimes it's fun to have something put in front of you and you have to decide well what is this what is the feel of this character you know what this is the ability i got i can i can um misty step i can call a shadow blade and the last ability it gave me was like a heal of some sort Mm -hmm. and i might look at that and go man what am i am i a twilight cleric am i uh am i some type of you know you could really come up with your own idea then based on what you think those abilities they gave you were so i think that just another creative way to do it but you would definitely i think need a big list of abilities to accomplish. So. I kind of, so after Gen Con and I was talking to some friends and they were like, yeah, I kind of want to like build a game. I got really inspired and I'm like, I want to like design a game and mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me, cough. Uh, mm-hmm. I had a similar idea where I'm like, I don't necessarily want there to be a necromancer class, mm-hmm. but if you chose necrotic energy and spell casting and you kind of put that together. And so I wanted these compartmentalized parts where I could I could put, like, I want to have a sword and divine magic, and that's why I'm going to be a paladin. Or I want to have, right. like, radiant magic and a spell casting thing, and that's how I'm a cleric. And you kind of, like, mix and match. And so it's like, I want to, I want to have a pet, but I also want, you know, divine magic, and I want like spell things. And so I'm going to summon elementals or something and uh, mm-hmm. really leave it up to the players and the DM to uh, imagine what that is. And so it's kind of yeah. similar to what you were talking about. That's only, exactly. That sounds like right less, on the nose. Less. Yeah. Uh, and I made a whole bunch and I had a couple of friends read through it. Uh, I should revisit that. Like all of the projects <laughs> I start, yeah. I get about, I don't know, yeah. a fourth of the way through it. And I get like, Oh, something shiny. And I, 
I run yeah, over there yeah. and I don't finish things, but uh, yeah. yeah. Cool. That's my superhero power, starting things. And then uh-huh. my greatest weakness is finishing anything. So <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. So that was my Bardic inspiration. You guys can take that and run with it, or you can comment on it, take it to the uh, the YouTube comments at some point after the video has been posted and tell us what you think or some ideas you have about it, or if it generates another idea for you. But what about you, Jordan? What kind of inspiration did you have this week? Uh, so... This is, I'm like looking at this and I'm just like, this is dumb, but we're going to talk <laughs> about it anyway. Um, Why not? For some reason, uh, we were talking about the movie Inner Space at work yeah. where the, and I haven't seen it since I was like 12 or something, but like the, the hero uh, gets shrunk down and accidentally injected. He's supposed to go into a rabbit, I think, but they accidentally inject him into another human being. And he's flying his little like spaceship through the the human body, trying to figure out where he is and, and whatever. And so this idea of like shrinking down and and then he's inside the human body and that's inner space. That's the whole movie, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly. I probably am not because I, I I was 12 and I'm now 37. Um, <laughs> and it got me thinking of like that would you know there's there's been. Uh, there's been like, oh, you got, I don't know, this is kind of tropey, but like there's been things where you got bit, or not bit, but you got swallowed by a giant snake. And then the dungeon that the dungeon master lays out for you is you trying to get out of the snake or you're in its digestive tract or something like that. And so I had this like interesting idea of like, what if there was a magical, um, because of inner space, what if there was a magical disease that you had to shrink your players down inject mm-hmm. them into this sick person and then they literally had to like go through the body and and fight off this magical disease like hand-to-hand combat kind of a thing um yeah. and then you know cut off the whatever the cancer at the head and and kill it and free the person of this magical d- problem uh and so that was kind of the idea and i was like the whole that could be a whole campaign that could be a one shot that could be part of your existing campaign but i really like the idea of like uh we have to save this person by by magically shrinking ourselves down and then all of the perils that is like your circulatory system and mm-hmm. antibodies attacking you and you have to figure out all this other stuff. And, and not only are you battling the disease, but you're battling the immune system. And I don't know. It was kind of interesting. So yeah, that's where I was going, but why were we yeah. talking about inner space? I don't even remember. It's just kind of like, <laughs> that's good like, though. I like the place. idea that when you said inner space and then shrinking down, I immediately jumped to, Oh, this is going to be a campaign. If I was running it about fighting slimes and molds yeah. and they were small and they're inside the body and it's taking over the cells. So you're going to go in and beat the little piece that keeps interacting and, and, killing off or taking over things Mm -hmm. and if you could just kill that little piece of thing it would stop but the only way to get to it is to is to get really small because no healing spell is fixing it no you know no match no restoration seems to stop it because it's a living creature that is somehow oozed into this person in some way so you're dealing with like black puddings and um, amoeba sites and uh you know but they're all just shrunk down so i think that's a really cool that's where my brain started to go is like yeah. all this amorphous kind of creature stuff that you'd be fighting. I think it'd be fun. No. And even taking like it, it a step further, like the, the lore, like Zagutmoy, the abyssal yeah. demon, like maybe she infected somebody with like essence of Zagutmoy and, and it's, mm-hmm. it's literally like, you know, populating in this thing and you need to go into this guy's body to destroy that yeah. uh, because no regenerative magic is going to work like every time they cure him it comes back like hours later because yeah you're getting rid of all the mold and fungus in their body but that little piece of, of zagutmoy that won't go away and you have mm-hmm. to you have to extract that somehow and so yeah uh, it would be interesting to be like well no we'll shrink down and then all of your magic is shrunk down and there's just fireballs going off in somebody's lungs <laughs> and i don't know like yeah it, it could be cool. a lot of fun that that could be an interesting dungeon you know in yeah. a non-traditional sense i guess so yeah. it's it's been done before i've heard lots of people talk about like you know uh, an organism as a dungeon but uh i think that would be i think that would be a lot of fun mm-hmm. and you have a clear objective too which is really good like i like i like it when it's like okay we don't necessarily know what we're gonna find in here but like we know that we have to go and cut the head off the snake like i gotta do this and i like that you just have a clear objective and you have to to get there mm-hmm. somehow um which then turns into a really good 
uh, five or six session of D&D or like a really awesome one shot and you can make it mm -hmm. as long um, and as complicated as you want to. So, yeah. Or you could even take it the more mythological route too and not even that more of a science thought of it where it's kind of like a pseudoscience you're thinking about like the, the pop culture movies, but you could go back to mythology and think you could play a whole game where your players have been stuck in a Leviathan or the whale and it's moving around in the ocean. They've been swallowed and they're trying to get out physically from something that's enormous around them. So it's even that telling the story of, you know, um, of escaping something that swallowed you whole, a, a Tarrasque has swallowed yeah. you whole or whatever it might be, some giant um, moving creature. I think in Acquisitions Inc. in the very first um, season for C-Team, they were talking about that that moving dungeon that they would get stuck into mm -hmm. and they would move around the world and stuff. I always like that, that idea of that uh, uh, living tomb dungeon that moved i just and you're in it you're and you've got to get out before wherever it's going to pop up next so yeah another way to take it so very cool i liked it youtube ha they're just like jordan fantastic voyage osmosis jones rick and morty <laughs> yeah. uh the magic school bus this is like a trope that's been done a whole bunch so <laughs> yep. well, like 100 percent. like yeah, yeah it's it's There's lots of places lots of places to find this but uh, for some reason inner space came to mind so <laughs> yeah the last one I had was an interesting one. I had not played a role-playing game that did this, but I was watching Adam Kobo, um do his office hours. And that's where people send in questions and they ask about running games and, and mechanics and things like that. And he talked about troop play. And I had not heard of troop play as a thing, whereas apparently in like uh, the, the role-playing game Ars Magica, when you sit down, you create, say... 10 characters that are going to be a part of the campaign. And then you decide who's going to be DM for a session. And if I'm going to run it, then the other players then pick from those 10. Well, what is the story going to focus on for this session? And it might focus on the wizard and this person, this person, each person can just pick, but they're not really your character. It's like the group's character and you can switch. And then like the next week, Jordan's the DM. So maybe I pick the the paladin this time. And then the other players like, well, all right, we're going to pick this person and this person, and they're going to go on that adventure. And, and it, you have this troop of different players to choose from session to session to session. So a very kind of a different way than we're used to taking a look at our characters. And in some ways you might think your brain might be going right to OSR for a second because you might be, well, like in there, I have them create three or four characters and then whichever ones live, they get to be first level and they move on. That's kind of a style of, uh, of troop. But I was also thinking like, what if you created like 10 mercenaries or 10 members of the gang of New York or 10, whatever mm -hmm. it was, 10 crew members on a ship, right? And then when the DM decides, okay, for this episode, we're doing an away mission on a planet the people say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to pick uh, this security officer because they probably go on an away mission. And the other person's like, okay, well, I'm going to play our doctor that we created. And the other person's like, um, well, I'll just bring in our communications expert because that's cool. And then the next time we have a session, we decide what's going on. We're like, oh, we're going to do something cool. Um, ship, we're going to do some type of ship combat. Or we're going to do some type of, we're going to be on a uh, space station. We're on a diplomatic mission or whatever. I'm thinking Star Trek for some reason. No, But I just thought uh, this idea of, of troop play where, and at the end, those characters advance. So we all talk about how we think those characters would advance. So now it becomes all of us building personality and um nuances into these characters together and it's not just my character and i'm only the making the decision on well i want to play my character like they're a little bit afraid maybe they have a lisp maybe they they stutter sometimes uh but i definitely want him to go down this paladin route and he's going to be really really this and that it's like all these decisions i'm making for my character which is cool but i also like the idea of this collaborative hey we have the captain of the company what do we all think the captain should be like what do we think 
are the things that make this person's mm -hmm. personality stand out. And we're like, yeah, yeah. And what, what kind of thing would he do now that he's more powerful and he's learned more, he's, he's better at doing, or she is doing it, you know, what she's able to do. And we're like, oh, she would definitely be better at mounted combat. So she took some cool mounted combat stuff or, you know, you could just go a whole bunch of different ways. So I'd never seen troop play. And I was thinking it would be very cool to see a troop, play version of Dungeons and Dragons. So if anybody out there have played games that have troop play mechanics, the only one I've heard of, I'm sure there are more, is called Ars Magica, and it's not one I've played. I'm definitely going to go look at it, because that made me interested to say, wait a minute, there's a style of RPG out there I haven't tried out yet? Hold on, I need to go check this out. So that was the other one I wanted to throw out there, is this idea of troop play with the characters yeah so, i really like the cool. the star trek reference makes me think of how it how it would work in most scenarios because you are just mm -hmm. like uh hey we we reached here we're gonna do an away mission who are we gonna take and mm -hmm. you have this pool of characters that you can you know move and and you utilize which is kind of interesting uh it made me think of uh the, there's a i think it's a i don't know if it's a world building tool or an actual game but it's called microscope and you start very big with creating a world and then you zone, you zoom in, which is why it's called microscope to a very small like scene to kind of establish the inner workings of, of that. And uh, it made me think of that because uh, when you're collaborating, collaborating and building this world during those zoom in moments, everyone kind of picks up a certain uh, character or, or yeah, like they, they all pick different characters and then, and then they interact with like a small little scene to establish like what that that large world on a small scale kind of uh, kind of works like. So uh, I wonder if you could incorporate that into your games as well, mm -hmm. um, doing something. But I don't know. Now I just think we should have a Spelljammer game with like yes. a dozen characters <laughs> on ship. And they're like, yeah. we're at a weird planet. I don't know. Let's take the bard and the fighter and this. And they're like, well, yeah. there's a lot of slimes. All right, we'll take the magic user too. And so could be a yeah. lot of fun. And I think anything where you definitely have a troop, like right now, Matt Colville's game called The Chain, they're, they're, The Chain of Akron is a, is a mercenary group, and all the players have a main character, but they all have a bunch of underlings that hire under them, and they can do things. And, and when, he, when Adam was explaining it, it'd be very cool because we could say, okay, if I'm the DM and I'm going to run, the main session is going to focus on um, Jordan's character. So maybe you could even have a main character, but then the rest of us players would play a subordinate of your character for a session because oh, yeah. we're going to do something on your storyline. And then we run that for a little bit, a small arc or a one shot, or maybe a couple of sessions and that arc wraps up. And then we say, okay, that's cool. Now we want to focus on our, um, our Lieutenant and he has some underlings or she has some underlings under him. And then you would go, okay, well now I'm going to try, I'm going to play the, the drummer, the bard, who's our battle standard and I'm going to play our medic and I'm going to play this. And they're all like sub characters that aren't necessarily the main characters. Yeah. And one of the things that Adam had mentioned that would be interesting about this, not just the idea that we're playing different characters and we're get, but it's the idea that when somebody plays like one time I play Jordan subordinate who happens to be the bat, the, the standard holder. And I played a certain way, but it will be cool to see how somebody else would play that character too. So you get this really, kind of evolving different look at these characters and you can almost think of it as a narrative difference as if different authors were writing that character you would get a little bit different look at them a little bit of more insight into that character so i just thought it'd be cool it was a really interesting thing, something i hadn't done and maybe challenging to those of us that like to dive into our characters or be handed something and you know like because a lot of us we could take a random character or a pre-made and we could put some realness into it. We could put some personality into it, even though we're handed a pre-made that we didn't create. So yeah. sometimes getting away from this is the character I created from the beginning and the one I wanted versus hand me something and let me see what I could make of it. Yeah. So that's what I liked about it. So yeah, that's cool. you guys like it, let us know in the comments. If you have some ideas on how you could make it work. Um, I know like it was mentioned in the chat there, D and D not meant for that style of gameplay. That doesn't mean we can't find ways to make it work. We do. I mean, I've done West March's style game in Dungeons and Dragons. It's not necessarily built for that. Um, we've done all kinds of different games using the D and D rules that aren't necessarily built the way they were used. So it'd be cool to see. So that was it for our, Bardic Inspiration or Appendix D or 
uh, inspiration for campaigns. I don't know. Hopefully now that I get gives a, you guys something. I want to get a tattoo where my appendix is and put like a D on there. <laughs> like a little like dotted line where it is and then a D in the yeah. middle. Like, Why do you have such a weird tattoo? And I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's an inside joke on a really cool D&D podcast. Yeah. And it's watch it on Saturday mornings. It's yep. really cool. <laughs> All right. So anyway, <laughs> yeah. Other than that, we then jump into our, what we've done for the week. I think I started off last week. I'll let Jordan go again. He sounded like he had a really fun week of uh, Dungeons and Dragons or role-playing stuff. What did you get to do? Uh, yeah, it was Halloween. So uh, we played um, a Halloween kids on bikes game. Um, anybody who is, you know, a friend of the show, obviously you've been watching, you know, hear me gush about kids on bikes a whole bunch. Um, <laughs> last year, uh, I ran it for the first time on Halloween or around Halloween in October. And we recorded the session and it was, um, a Halloween game where everybody was going, everybody was getting dared on Halloween night to go into this house. And then it turned out to be like a weird haunted house and they had to figure out what it was. So I wanted to keep with that theme. But I wasn't entirely sure what to do. So I did a couple of live streams uh, and used like collective data from everybody to kind of build a game uh, together, which was really fun. So uh, you can go back there on my channel. You can watch these live streams if you want to, uh, where we're hammering out the ideas for this Kids on Bikes game that we did now. And now that I've done it two years in a row, I really want it to be a Halloween tradition because it's such a like, and I'll, I'll preface this, like I had... I had, I want to, uh, I feel bad saying this because I've had a lot of fun with D&D, but it was probably the most fun I've had in a role-playing game ever. Mm-hmm. Like everybody was just really invested in their characters. We had fun. The action was nonstop. Um, uh, my wife, who generally doesn't enjoy Dungeons and Dragons or role-playing games, not nearly as much as I do. She was like, that was really fun. And like had just a blast with her character and everything else. So it was, it was just encouraging to see everybody at the table, like really enjoying and really having, uh, an investment in it, you know? And, and Mm -hmm. so it was a lot of fun, but this year, uh, we went trick-or-treating. Um, everybody was like a teenager. Um, I think we had one girl that was young as 10, these are characters that they made. Um, and then I think the oldest was 17 and they all kind of like met up and they found a poor crying girl that had lost her candy. And the entire adventure kind of, uh, went from there where they had to like go from door to door, trying to find this little girl's candy who was dressed like a witch. Uh, really fun. Part of the enjoyment I have of kids on bikes is that we get to create the world a little bit. So, Mm -hmm. uh, we get to establish like, like where, what town do you want to be in? What's the town famous for? Why are you in this town? Where did you move from? Have you always been a resident? And so, uh, just those general questions kind of create this fun, uh, world that everybody is invested in because we've all contributed a little bit to it. So, uh, really fun. We recorded it and it is live on the Saturday morning D and D show YouTube channel right now. So if you want some <laughs> Halloween fun, um, you can listen to our game of Kids on Bikes. Um, and I think I have the other one uh, last year's linked as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll put them in the show notes for this uh, episode if you guys are interested. But uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your feedback and see what you guys thought of our game, because that would be a lot of fun uh, to see if you guys enjoyed it. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you'd like us to do more of those, I guess. Uh, I did a, a poll on Twitter and a couple of other places where people were like, no, we want to see you like play some more games and record some more games. So uh, I will try and do that. Yeah, Kids on Bikes and Tales from the Loop have that thing that is so cool that lets people tie back into their own childhood or reconnect with that preteen moving into teenager self and let's them dive back into those those weird things that we all went through for our lives, you know, not fitting in somewhere, um, or we were part of the, the 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 jock group or the geek group or that we were the we were the emo group or you know whatever it was, and it ties us back to those eighties and nineties, or depending on when you grew up and what what was your time slot. So you get to go back to that. And you get to play out those tropes a little bit, but then put little twists on them because you're an adult now and you kind of understand more than you did back then. 
but it's also fun to go back to that. And just mm. that idea of that small town adventure of kids riding around on bikes, stumbling upon something supernatural or spooky or yeah. whatever, and just doing something with it. I've always found it. Um, D&D has that great fantasy element where you get to feel like you can be a hero and that's what it ties you into. You feel like you're the knight in shining armor or you're the wizard throwing great big spells or you're the druid that is really in tune with nature. Really cool fantasy tie-in that that tugs at your heart. But those games, Kids on Bike and Tales from the Loop, tug at your your little kid heart that I, w- I used to be that 10 year old. I used to, and I, and I loved my cassette player and I would always listen to this music. And sometimes I got bullied a little bit because the other kids would push you around and take my lunch money. And, you know, but then we found the secret, the, the weird spooky house that nobody would go in. Yeah. I mean, that just ties into realness, like stuff you've lived versus this dream or fantasy that you have. So it hits a different need or scratches a different itch, but it's so good. And people love it after they've done it. I, everybody I've played in those games have absolutely loved those sessions. Mm-hmm. They just, they're able to tie into something that they maybe feel like they've lost or they haven't tied into before and it brings it all back. So well, it's it, really cool. It's almost the same thing as you were saying, you know, D and D makes you feel like a hero. Like a lot of these games, like when you are that 12 or 13 year old kid, you do kind of feel invincible. Mm -hmm. Like you're Mm -hmm. cautious, but at the same time, you have no real reason to think that you couldn't take down um, a tentacle monster that's living in the lake nearby. And you come up with some elaborate weird plan where you're going to drop a power line into the, into the lake and electrocute it and see what happens. And I love, uh, I love stuff like that. And, and uh, just the like, creativity is, is really things and so, or really just comes out and it's really fun. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's that game has a special place in my heart. I have, I have yet to play tales from the loop. I bought it. Um, but I, and I'll be honest, I always find myself sitting down to play or to organize like a tales from the loop game. And then I'm like, why don't we just play kids on bikes? Cause I'm more familiar <laughs> with that and I'm really good. And it would just be yeah, fun. Yeah. And so, uh, they're always, really yeah. similar. They're they super yeah. similar, different dice and different mechanics, but it's, it's, uh, kind of, yeah, they are similar. It's fun. Though. Yeah. So, yeah. and then, uh, my other game was ghosts of salt marsh. Um, we are, I'm doing a bunch of like mini quests so that they can level up to level seven, um, they're level six right now, so they're kind of running around doing mini quests, and it's been really fun because I don't mean to purposely trick them, but they're very like, oh, you want us to go on this adventure? Sure. And I'm like, all right, like they want to go, like no questions asked. They're just, they're going as long as they get a reward kind of a thing. And it was after this last session that they uh, were told by a group of Tritons that there was a hag in a forest that was polluting the ocean with weird magical reagents. And so they went into the forest to take care of this hag. Um, And the hag was like, what are you doing? Like, why are you here invading my home? And the paladin (laughs) was like, well, it's a, it's a fiendish hag. And the paladin's just like, those need to be taken care of. It's clearly evil. And so they took care of it, but it was afterwards that they were all talking. They're like, I think, I think we were duped guys. And so uh, I'm curious where they're going to take this information. Every every session has been, uh, it's been interesting like that, where we're really building up kind of the world and their place in it. And they're, they're learning that maybe they're not like, you know, being, being We're used. not the good guys. Well, yeah, they're not being used <laughs> by the good guys. So the things that they're yeah. doing aren't necessarily like, oh, maybe we need to reevaluate this, you know, and, and try to figure yeah. out whose side we're actually on. Uh, a, a fun twist and everything is is i mentioned that they had captured this follower of lolth this evil druid and they invited Mm -hmm. him back into their um their bar that they now own and are running this bar well he ended up taking a couple of patrons and you know spinning them up in cocoons and so they came back and they're just like no no i've got these people like we're gonna sacrifice him to lolth and they're just like you can't do that so they they took care of him (laughs) they ended up you know getting rid killing him basically um but the artificer was so like mesmerized by this that he has decided to take uh one level in wizard and he's now a wizard a follower of lolth so Mm. it's we're getting some real 
conflicting characters at this point, especially with the paladin and the rest of them, because they're just kind of like, I don't know, like I follow Lolth now. She's evil, but she's cool. And so <laughs> it's it's been a fun game. Uh, we're playing that uh, on Wednesday. So we'll see what happens there. And I've got Acquisitions cool. Incorporated later today. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, my Halloween, I spent watching horror movies and handing out candy to no kids that showed up at my door. So now I've got a huge <laughs> thing of candy. But uh, what did you do, Mr. Lucian, in games? Yeah, so sticking with the yeah the Halloween theme there, uh, on Thursday night, um, uh, a friend of mine for his neighborhood, he lives in a nice big subdivision, so there's lots of kids moving around because there's no busy streets and that just houses and houses and houses. And he turns his whole garage and part of his backyard into his own little version of a little haunted house thing. And he puts a lot of work into it. He has a bunch of us of his friends come over and volunteer to help out. So I went over there and all of a sudden we get the first snow kind of storm of the year. It's sleeting. It's snowing. The wind is blowing and gusting up to 20 miles an hour. But there are kids everywhere in costumes and coats still because they want to get their candy. So, you know, so it was really fun to do that. Um, A little bit probably why my voice is is way because I I was at the front of the door getting them all ready. So it was like we have a big thing of rules and then, you know, don't run, don't don't push on things, you know, don't don't worry about nothing's going to touch you. You won't have to touch nothing. And, you know, just have all this fun and get some candy. But you're saying that over and over and over to all these really hyper excited kids and guys. (laughs) So it was really fun to do that. We, um, I froze my butt off, and it was a pretty good night. Um, but here at my house, there was no kids showed up because nobody wanted to get out in the snow. So it's funny. I grew up in Arizona for all of my trigger-treating days, which means we were all in short sleeves and shirts or whatever costumes we had because it's probably 80 degrees still over there. And you would go from, you know, you would just leave as soon as the sun went down and you would just roam neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood in that big sprawling spread out city of Phoenix. Um, There's a lot of places to go get candy. So it's very different to be up in the Northwest and what trick-or-treating is versus what out West and the southern west uh, of trick-or-treating is but so it's cool um apparently the most popular costume can you guess what the most popular costume was this year captain marvel you would think nope it was a bunch of Fortnite characters so everybody was dressed as a Fortnite character that i could see so that apparently is big with the kids these days um so that was pretty funny kids love their Fortnite. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so other than that dungeons and dragons wise uh i rescheduled monday night we had one person that was uh not gonna be able to make it and this coming monday i also had to reschedule because i got a big appointment on tuesday morning so i didn't want to have to stay up too late so we're gonna have like we're gonna have a two-week break so last week and this week we'll pick back up uh the following week which if i look at the calendar i probably should add it up is probably going to be the 11th will be the next time we play seeking revenue um, and we'll get back to that group campaign where we've added a few. We've we're up to like five players now, um, and it's West Marches. We're using the um, Strongholds and Followers book in that. They have a key. They have followers, and they have a stronghold, and we're doing a lot of that cool stuff. So if you want to see any of that, definitely check that out. But I did get to play Tomb of Annihilation on Wednesday, and we we finally walked into the room where when we triggered what was going to happen, I'm trying not to do any spoilers for any of you that might not have played it yet, but it definitely is one of those rooms you walk into as a player sitting back as somebody who's played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons games and you go, Oh, we might've just made a bad move here. We, the thing we have to deal with is way tougher than we are. Um, and it has the advantage on us. It got the jump on us. It's got some environmental effects that's making it harder for us to deal with it at the moment. And if we can't wrap our heads around how to deal with it and get around some of these, these problems of getting our abilities to really fire off, uh, we could be in trouble. So this could be this Wednesday coming up could be the end of our party, or we're going to pull out a mm-hmm. triumphant battle, which would be pretty cool. So it'd be pretty cool to say, um, if if we all die, uh, it's a really fun group. I think we're all re- we're 
we'll be sad because we all like our characters, but we're also the type of group that's already like, oh, well, I'm already thinking of the next character I want to play. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm going to bring in this character. It's going to do this kind of thing. And we'll have to see how that goes. But we'll, maybe we'll pull it off. Maybe we we can get our teamwork together and we can get our spells to fire off and our abilities to work and get some good dice rolls. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll pull it out. But it's going to be tough. It's uh, I think we are... We all hit level nine just before we entered the room. We're at, we're at full on health um, and we were at like full abilities. So you would think that anything we ran into shouldn't be too bad, but it's definitely, I think the CR rating on this thing that we're having to deal with is maybe 13 or 14 for a group that's a nine could be interesting. So we'll have to see how that works out. Um, but Tomb Annihilation, if you, if you haven't got in a campaign of Tomb Annihilation to play, mm-hmm. get in it. Because of all the campaigns that are out there, it's really a fun one um, to play through. It has all the elements of Dungeons & Dragons. I think it's the perfect 5e adventure to play. Or if you're only going to get to play one, then play that one. If you're going to get to play them all, then doesn't matter. You know, Play them in any order you want, and, and, and it's cool that you get to play them all. But if you get to play one and you know you're not going to get to play any others get in a Tomb of Annihilation game because I don't think you'll be disappointed. So that's our Wednesday night game, which was really fun. Um, one of the things I think too for that is it happened in my game the previous Monday and it's happening in this right now is the anti-magic fields. Wow, do they shut some character abilities down. Mm-hmm. Like they can really give some fits to your warlocks and your your wizards and your clerics, depending on how if you define divine magic as part of that. Like we were talking about this a little bit last Saturday. Like, do, would you for a paladin, do you consider their smites to be affected by an anti-magic field? Do you consider their turning undead to be affected by an anti-magic field mm-hmm. or do you, are you just doing spells or it's affecting magic items is it affecting other magical abilities like a druid who wants to shift does an anti-magic field stop them from shifting so you get into all these cool things that you're having to decide in your world as a dungeon master how do i want my world to work you can go on and see how jeremy's kind of helped with that they've talked about it quite a bit in twitter because there's a lot of ideas about how does this field interact with things that are already existing does does it affect a breath weapon does it affect you know all this other stuff um and so it's a really big wrench to throw at your party if you haven't done it yet so it's kind of cool have you tried to throw an anti-magic field at any of your parties i haven't uh and i'll say uh apologies the youtube stream i'm losing all kinds of frames and i'm not really sure what i think i did too uh so i apologize for that but uh i'll upload this later and things like that um but i haven't used an anti-magic field other than i've used a couple beholders with their anti-magic cone um and if i remember the first time i did a beholder we kind of glossed over the fact that it had that because i didn't really know what to do with it and the Mm -hmm. second time i did a lot of like we really positioned the cone correctly and it was like oh you like cast a fireball half the fireball goes away because he was staring at you you know and Mm -hmm. like the rest like zooms over his head and doesn't do things so um so anyway yeah uh it's uh yeah i haven't i don't know i haven't used a lot of it so yeah i had one that was centered on a guardian of an artifact of an ancient artifact and there was a basically a 15 foot bubble that wherever he moved the anti-magic field moved around with him and it was a sphere so you really had to go in after him you couldn't they, like the spells would hit that 15 foot mark and then just dissolve and fizzle away and mm-hmm. um, it really gave our, our players some fits now they have you know pretty good melee characters um the thing that helped them is it doesn't fly but like when you mention a beholder that flies so now you have yeah. that problem too then but at least it's a cone for the beholder and not like an, an actual full-on bubble because yeah, be, yeah yeah that'd be crazy too but yeah <laughs> if you haven't done that as a dungeon master in your games yet and you feel like your players are getting a little up to d they feel like they're really powerful every now and then throw an anti-magic field at them and see how they feel. <laughs> Definitely. They were shocked when it happens. They were, they were scrambling because <clears throat> all their normal plans don't work. Right. They have to come up with totally different strategies that they'd never come up with before because they've never had to not deal with, wait a minute. 
my Eldritch Blast doesn't work at all. Wait, what's going on? <laughs> so it was pretty fun. So that was pretty cool. Um, we don't have anything else going on for this weekend um, as far as role-playing on my part, but I'm excited for next week. We'll get into Wednesday's game, and then I might try to run something because I won't run it on Monday. Um, I'm pushing to maybe do something on maybe a Thursday or a Friday. It's just a I want to role play, but I don't know if it'll be in the campaign or if it'll be a one shot, if it'll be a D and D game or if it'll be a something else game, but I feel like I'm definitely next Friday going to do something fun. So keep an eye out on the, on the Twitter there, if I post something out. And if you're, if you're free on a Friday night, for those of you that have got to play in my games, maybe let me know on discord that uh, you got a free Friday night if you do, and maybe I'll throw something together that could be fun for people to play. So cool. But that's about all I had for my week. It was a fun week, and I'm excited to get into the winter of role-playing because we are finally here. Um, there's snow outside. so <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So all right, that's it for me. Take us out. Anything else we need to talk about before we leave? No. I think that's it. Yeah, sorry I had some drop frames too, but you never know how the internet's going to react. Um, yeah, I'm dropping all... all kinds of things. So I'll upload this to YouTube later and you can always yeah. check it Monday on the podcast in MP3 format. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll have to like diagnose my computer because it was fine earlier. Uh, yeah. But thanks again for watching everybody. Thank you for like liking, sharing the show with other friends and commenting mm -hmm. and all the cool things. Uh, we really appreciate all of your love and support. Uh, we will see you next week with uh, another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, unless I have a baby. We'll see. <laughs> uh, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.